Now, it's the Columbia Check-In with Lieutenant Governor Pamela Evett on the Liz Callaway Show with Nick Summers on Talk 94.5. Good morning, Lieutenant Governor. Good morning. I see you had a great birthday party and a wonderful turnout for your... your back to school initiative. That is awesome. Yeah, it was really, really good. And thank you for your donation. We collected way over a thousand dollars in donations and a whole two minute a truck van full of uh, backpacks and school supplies and shoes. So uh, we did a really good job for fostering hope. So, uh, you know, we thank you and everybody else who donated. So thank you. Yeah. All the pictures are up, by the way, on our talk 94.5 page. So Lieutenant Governor, what kind of week did you have? Well, it's it's been a busy week so far. You know, the governor has announced that he uh, is putting $25 million back into our technical school program uh, for uh, scholarships, yeah. which is what we feel is so needed to get people skilled up and get working and um, to, get the workforce of tomorrow that we want. I wanted to ask you about that because, you know, I, it is so con- conveniently I had invited uh, and I didn't plan this on purpose, but I always like to talk to Dr. Marilyn Ford over the at the Ori Georgetown Technical College. She's a president there. She's an amazing person. You've met her, I'm sure. Uh, oh, my God. Love her. Yeah. <laughs> uh, I've been there a bunch of times and work with her. She is and she is so excited about anything when companies come to her, companies yes. come to me. She's one of my first calls to say. They want this kind of discipline put in. What do you think? And she's like, let's talk about it. She shuts nothing down. Yeah, she is a a very, very uh, amazing person. She's going to be joining us in about a half an hour. And I was going to ask you about this. It was on my list, the workforce um, scholarships. Now, I'm just wondering, though, because I know the South Carolina Education Lottery provides a lot of funding for um, secondary education. And Dr. Four has always talked to us about um, monies that are available. We talked to palmettogoodwill.org about monies that are available for people who want to go back. So what is different about what the governor is is making available, this $25 million, or is it just there to to broaden the project? I'm just kind of I'm wondering where this all fits together. So, you know, the governor, this is not the first time he has made sure funds have gone into that project. In fact, he was the pioneer of that project early on when COVID money was starting and when businesses were, you know, losing employees to, I don't even know where, I don't know where we've lost all of our employees to anymore, but um, he started this and he continues to fund it because it's made such a great impact. Um, This is money for, we picked five five professions, five, you know, um, genres that we know people are lacking uh, skilled workers in. And it's in transportation and it is in advanced manufacturing and teaching and healthcare. So it has graduated phlebotomists and nurses' aides and teachers and teachers' aides and truck drivers. And we have done a great job. The statistics are really good. Uh, with most pro- programs that our administration has looked at, we haven't just dumped a bunch of money in without a benchmark to mm-hmm. say, how is this working? Are we meeting levels? Is this moving forward? And the numbers are, are really great. I'll have to text you those, Liz, because they, they kind of did a deep dive to see what we've what we've accomplished, and we've accomplished a lot. So that's what is different about his money. It's not just blatant. You can go into whatever. It's us talking with the work uh, with employers, 
working with commerce to find out where 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 do we need this? Where are our gaps? Mm-hmm. And that is a that's very new and innovative in the government space, isn't it? Yeah. Oh, absolutely. You know, um, that's one of the things that I know about Ori Georgetown Technical College, uh, just in our conversations over the years with them, is the fact that uh, their finger is on the pulse and they are in constant contact with uh, the manufacturers and and the and the, the you know the larger employers around that are saying, hey, we just don't have a skilled workforce, and that is a huge, huge uh, downfall if you're trying to attract those larger manufacturers that you know to relocate a headquarters here or a factory here um, is you know they need to draw from the existing workforce. And if we don't have an educated, up-to-speed workforce that's using state-of-the-art equipment, I mean, you go into an Ori Georgetown Technical College and you see the equipment they have. It's, I mean, the facility down in Georgetown is the advanced manufacturing. It's phenomenal. And people don't realize that these aren't like literally dirty jobs anymore. These are very electronic, very technical, um, and high-paying jobs. And uh, a lot of people just kind of skip over the technical colleges and, and go right into getting a liberal arts degree, which really gets you nothing, you know, <laughs> in many cases. So, I mean, it's such a it's such a gem, uh, and, and, and it's something that we so need. And, and I guess it has to start with parents' conversations, and you're working on getting um, those high schoolers into jobs also, and I'm sure this kind of dovetails together as well, right? You're absolutely right. You know, since I've taken office, I have talked about how we are blessed to have the most amazing technical colleges in the world. And Liz, what you said is spot on. You know, when I was running my business, I did not realize, from the daughter of a tool and die maker, I did not realize kind of this turnaround in thinking that we were thinking about manufacturing and about our technical schools until my middle son decided he didn't want to go to a four-year college. Hmm. He wanted to go to a technical school. And it was me sitting out at a lacrosse game, everybody asking me where Joey was going to go to school. And when I said Greenville Tech, it was the way everybody looked at me and went like, oh my gosh, did he not get into Clemson? Is mm. he going to do the bridge program? And it's like, wow. oh no, he doesn't want to go. I mean, this is, we have to stop looking. And I think mm. we are turning a corner, but we cannot look at our technical schools as a second tier option anymore because it's not. Mm-hmm. And I learned about mechatronics from um, our technical schools. And I talk about I mean, there's a million disciplines in our technical colleges that, like you said, yield great paying jobs. But Mechatronics uh, combines mathematics and robotics together. We are in a shortage. If, if you're graduating in this skill bank, you are sought after. Mm-hmm. With a two-year degree, you can come out, earn you know, a base salary of about $50,000 a year. Within three years, if you prove to be a good employee... You're making six figures. Mm-hmm. And wow. the best part of that is no debt, yeah. zero college debt. And that message is getting out more and more. I talk about it. The governor talks about it. But a statistic that will knock you off your chair mm. is that what do you think our percentages here in South Carolina for secondary education or certified workers? Where do you think percentage-wise we sit? Mm. I would say 34%. 
Okay, not quite that bad. We are at 42% okay. with secondary secondary education or certification. But with the amount of industry that we have here, high-skilled industry, we need to be at 64%. Okay. To really be functioning on, I, I think you know, it, all cylinders. I think your point is very well taken um, about the marketing of Ori Georgetown Technical College and other technical colleges. We need to change the hearts of people <laughs> and what they think about um, Ori Georgetown Technical Colleges, you know, uh, as a as a choice. It shouldn't be like, oh, you didn't make it to Clemson. <laughs> so, you know, yeah. you, you take the booby prize, um, it, you know, take whatever you could get into, you know, but it's not like that at all. There are people that are seeking it out as a first choice. Um, and it, 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 I don't know why it has that stigma, you know, um, but unfortunately, uh, that's something that has to change. And I, I know they're working on it, but, um, you know, but parents have to realize that because, and guidance counselors and all that. Oh, I'm going to push it with my daughter. Yeah. A tech and school. That, yeah. That, yeah. And that's what we're doing is trying, and, and you're right. It has to start with the parents. It's not the kids. It's mm-hmm. the parents. It's the guidance counselors. But think about it. My grandparents were all immigrants, right? So what was the American dream? That your life, your children's life and your grandchildren's life would be easier than yours, and Mm -hmm. that's why you were leaving this country you called home, wherever that was, to come here. And a four-year college degree meant you made it. Yep. So I think it was just that um, kind of mindset that immigrants that came to this country had, and it just kind of grew. Mm -hmm. But it is changing because... We used to think of manufacturing as dirty, dark, and dangerous, I mm-hmm. like to say, and it's not that anymore. No. It's high-tech, it's robotic, it's cobotic. These uh, facilities, you know, you walk into the BMWs or the Volvos or the Michelins or any of these uh, companies, you go down to Nephron Pharmaceutical. Those, those facilities are pristine. It's, they're clean, they're safe, um, and I don't think people... people get to have that inside view into what manufacturing looks like now, but we're starting to see it and we're starting to see it turn around. And I think the more guidance counselors we can get in to our amazing employers and the more they can talk with our trades. Mm -hmm. And honestly, that's exactly what we need here. We need a really educated technical workforce here in Ori and Georgetown uh, because we're not attracting those big manufacturing companies, you know, as as much as we want to. We have some great ones. We see some expansion going on. But it's nothing like what's happening in Spartanburg or, you know, in other parts of the state. And so while, you know, we may be developing uh, these this workforce, they're moving out. We're having a brain drain here. And so, you know, you know, we have a lot of hospitality uh, industry, but those aren't the high paying jobs. So a lot of people are leaving here uh, and and pursuing they, in order to pursue those higher paying jobs. So and we, you're right. And I think th- this goes back to a lot of debate that's been going on in this area about I-73, right? Mm-hmm. You, you know, Chamber, Commerce, they've been hearing from manufacturers, you know, there are great opportunity zones around this area. But because of lack of, like, highway connection, that is that definitely turns people, yeah. you know, they're, they're looking to see the quickest routes to get. So, you know, it's about a 50-50 split, people thinking that they needed I-73, other people saying that was a fallacy and they didn't need it. Well, I can tell you what I have heard since I've been lieutenant governor 
is that ends up becoming a deterrent to an area. Mm-hmm. And so I think when you when you when you look at the landscape and you look how you want an area to grow, you have to look at everything. And that's why the governor was so supportive. That's why I was supportive because we want to see that come here, right? Mm-hmm. We want to see Myrtle Beach have diversity. Uh, Ori County in general, right? We want to see mm-hmm. to have diversity, so it's not all hospitality. Well, we have there is a we have great schools. We have a great like quality of life with the beach. We have a great technical school. We just don't have a way to get it, goods and goods in and out quickly. Exactly, so, and so that's what I think. Mean, that's what we need to look at when we look at all these issues. Is a lot of times people just look at from their rearview mirror. Sometimes you got to look at it with, with a broader telescope. Before we let you go, um, Lieutenant Governor uh, Pamela Evett, I wanted to uh, talk to you about the fact that you're running for re-election on uh, Governor Henry McMaster's uh, ticket as uh, governor and lieutenant governor, and that you just uh, signed up for. Was it yesterday? It was yesterday. So yesterday was signing day, right, for mm-hmm. the for the lieutenant governor. It's it's interesting because a lot of people that listen to your show and other shows that I'm on during the primary said, are you not running this time? Um, so just fun fact, when the, when you run, the governor always runs in the primary, the Lieutenant governor uh, comes on in the general election, got to win the primary to be able to pick the Lieutenant governor. And so a lot of people didn't know that. I know it gets confusing because this is the first time, not only was I the first Lieutenant governor elected with the governor, this is the first time, uh, a governor, lieutenant governor have gone into reelection together. Mm. So, so if it seemed confusing, you weren't probably the only one, anybody out there listening, it, it's very new, but um, you know, Liz, I say it all the time It's such an honor to serve the people of South Carolina and to be a lieutenant governor. So I am blessed to have, um, to be on the ticket and be running for another four years uh, to continue what we're doing, really pushing things like education and our technical programs and working on infrastructure and cutting taxes. Those are big wins the governor and I have think had about, over the last four years. Think about what you're going to be able to accomplish without a pandemic. <laughs> I mean, exactly. talk about, I mean, if you can lead the state through that, my goodness. Um, I mean, the pandemic, we were all scared. We didn't know what was going on. Um, and so, uh, it, you know, and the one other point I wanted to make was we were reading an article about DHEC, uh, urging families to have their children vaccinated before they return to the classroom. Uh, is the governor saying anything about that? Because a lot of people are not happy uh, about the thought of uh, getting their five-year-old vaccinated. Well, science also says no. Yes, and there's science, but I'm not, uh, absolutely. I'm not sure what DHEC is. Where are we in, in breaking up DHEC, by the way? So, well, that that is something that's moving forward. You know, it's a very big department. Mm-hmm. And it, it's technical, such a lot of things. So you have to be smart about doing it. As much as people become frustrated with it, um, you don't just want to start breaking pieces, parts up, and let a lot of those other little parts fall through the cracks. So they're working on a really good strategic plan to make sure that okay. no, no balls get dropped in that. Um, but the governor and I, we have always been for parents, whether it's come to school choice, putting a mask on your child, and definitely with vaccination government um, has always left it up to parents and their beliefs. That's why we have exemptions. Um, and we're going to stay there. I mean, parents need to be the ones to make these decisions. Everybody has a different set of circumstances in their home. And we believe that parents are the best people to guide those decisions with their children. 
All right. We have a question for you for the last uh, segment here, part of your or segment, PCRX uh, Mobile Outfitters question. What What is it, Nikki? Uh, yeah, this was left over from last week. I promised I'd get to it this week. I'm not sure what this individual is talking about, but maybe you do. It says, I have a question for the lieutenant governor as she's in charge of the Office on Aging. Is she aware that there are professionals called certified driver rehabilitation specialists in South Carolina that evaluate older drivers to determine if it is safe and the safe enough for them to continue to drive. I'm not aware of this. Are you? Yes, I was. You know, the when when the lieutenant governor's position changed, so did that role. The Office of the Aging isn't just presided over by the lieutenant governor. It becomes part of the cabinets of the governor and lieutenant governor. So it's still within our purview. And um, But I do know of this. A lot of times that is done through um, rehab facilities, like if somebody suffers a stroke or a fall. Um, rehab uh, facilities will will offer that to the family to say, listen, you may want to go through this to make sure that your loved one is still okay to drive. So I do know that it exists, not mandatory within our state, but just one more tool that um, families have when trying to make sure that they're keeping their loved ones safe. All right, Lieutenant Governor Pamela Evett, thank you so much for joining us, and we'll speak to you next week. Well, thank you, and I hope you guys have a great weekend. Nick, stay out of trouble. Why, why, why me? <laughs> well, I just haven't said that in a while, so I thought I should remind you. Okay, Mom. She knows you very well. All right. Uh, we'll Make talk- good choices. Yes, that's right. <laughs> All right. We'll talk to you next week.